benders and non-benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And we're back to book one of The Last Airbender. This week, recapping a very controversial episode. It's one that still gets debated about amongst the Avatarverse fandom to this day. And of course, Varney, we're talking about the one and only The Great Divide. The Great Divide. That's right. But before we get started on that, let's just revisit last week's episode for a second because we were so excited to host our super fan quiz show. It was so fun. We got such great feedback from our listeners. I think we are going to do them in the future. And so, you know, once we kind of know what the process will be, I feel like we'll put out there kind of how to make that happen and who to contact and all that kind of stuff. I wish we could do one with every person who wanted to do it, but I think we would probably have like a stadium full of super right. fans that would all still know more but about maybe the Maybe someday we, we can have we can have the stadium <laughs> of fans. We could do a big avatar right. uh, decathlon. The- That's right. I'm sure Abby, Dom, Jordan, and Phil would be there. Uh, They were so awesome in this quiz show that we did. They definitely knew their stuff. Except uh, that it was three waterbenders and an airbender. I mean, come on, guys. Not one Fire Nation person in sight to represent for the Fire Nation. Next time, Varney, we definitely need more Fire Nation representation. Yeah, that's rough, buddy. Uh, You know what? To feel better, why don't you remind us where exactly we are in The Last Airbender? What was the last episode we recap? Because before the Superfan Quiz, we had the Animal Roll Call Twitch episode with D, where we clearly showed that we were coming fast for all his jobs because we were so great. I'm still embarrassed. I'm still embarrassed by that episode. (laughs) I know. I am too. But But that means it's been like a couple weeks since we were really just immersed in the show and the show episodes. So remind me, where are we? So last ep we recapped was Jet. And we had a great conversation with Crawford Wilson afterwards. In Jet, I'm sure you all remember Team Avatar meets Jet and his band of freedom fighters. And although Katara had some uh, sparks with Jet, she definitely was goo-goo eyes over Mm -hmm. Jet. In the end, we find out he was (laughs) planning to destroy an entire village of innocent people just to get rid of the Fire Nation soldiers that are occupying it. The gang thwarts Jet's plans, and they save the town and continue heading towards the Northern Water Tribe with a slightly more disenchanted Katara. She uh, she kind of grew up a little bit during that episode. Oh, Katara. Katara. Too good to be true? Might be too good to be true. Exactly. <laughs> Might actually not be the right person Sometimes for those bad boys uh, are just you, bad buddy. boys, That's... Barney. Sometimes those bad boys <laughs> are right. just right. bad boys. Sometimes you have... More important stuff to do than trying to change them. Maybe just let them try to change themselves. And some of them do. Some of them go on a journey with their uncle and they redeem themselves. And it doesn't take anyone else fixing them. They are fixing themselves, even if they don't know it yet. Right? Some don't change. Some don't change. And some don't change. Okay, perfect. Well, now I feel caught up. That definitely uh, can take us into this week's Great Divide episode. Why don't we just listen to a quick clip? There it is, guys. The Great Divide. Wow. I could just stare at it forever. Okay. I've seen enough. And so just to quickly summarize what I'm sure many of you already know happens in the Great Divide. You know, here we are, the world's largest canyon, which, by the way, I was at the North Rim of the Grand Canyon uh, a couple months ago and was very excited to feel like I was just like right in the middle. I was looking around for the tribes. Unfortunately, I didn't see anybody but a bunch of people like me gawking at the beautiful hole in the ground. But um, in this episode, two Earth Kingdom tribes 
bicker with each other about you know how to cross the canyon. Um, they we find out they've been enemies for a century. Uh, Aang does help them, and of course, Katara and Sokka are a part of that too, and Appa. But Aang helps them cross the canyon together, and uh, and really kind of ends the feud by telling them the story about their ancestors, which. I guess we'll get into the origin of the story and whether or not it's even true or not at the end. But this episode was written by our friend John O'Brien. Shout out to John, a great guest on the podcast. And it was directed by Giancarlo Volpe, who I guarantee you we will also have on the podcast ASA Possible. Let's get into it, buddy. Okay, well, we'll, we're just going to skip past whether this episode is filler or not and just dig into the episode's contents itself like we always do, like we always do. And we see themes of stubbornness and groups working at odds with one another. Definitely another big theme we see in in grudge-holding. For sure. And then there's just that sort of overall, like, overarching mega-theme which occurs all throughout Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, which is this idea of otherness, right? The kind of us versus them right. of it all um, that, you know, the, the shows really dig into and kind of continue to show us in various ways how dangerous that can be. Uh, so how does the episode start out? Well, we start this episode in a way Zuko would approve of. And by that, I mean, we come into this episode hot, baby, <laughs> super hot, with an argument between Katara and Sokka. There's somewhere in the Earth Kingdom, and to be honest, it kind of looks like Chatsworth here in California. <laughs> That's right, all the big boulders. And Katara is uh, being the sister, giving her brother like all this grief for not putting the tarp on top of the tent so they don't get rained on. But then Sokka says it won't rain. They should just use the tarp as a blanket. This is a classic bro and sis. Classic, classic. He scolds her about the firewood. She freaks out. He freaks out and tears down the tent, revealing Aang, who's trying to figure out what's up. They proceed to sling insults at each other. Yeah, and then Aang kind of slings some wisdom that kind of sounds even like a little Uncle Iroh. He says, harsh words won't solve problems. Action will. So he suggests that they switch jobs. So <laughs> so far this episode is basically all just a foreshadow report for itself. It's like totally setting itself up in this tiny scene for what happens in the episode overall. Aang brags about being able to settle feuds and scores as the work of an avatar and then, you know, talks about how easy that is. Meanwhile, Momo's trying to open I guess it's a gourd and uh, he's trying to open it. Appa is trying to help by holding it still and then Finally, Appa's just about to just, like, eat the whole thing. And then Aang slices it open for Momo with airbending. And then Appa gets the bigger half with his <laughs> his five stomachs. I still love the idea that Appa has to eat half his weight. And then we arrive with some super western-y, like, Grand Canyon-y kind of music. A sort of open prairie western music as Aang announces that they've reached the Great Divide. Katara is really into it. Sokka, unsurprisingly, is bored. He's, like, ready to fly off with Momo, and then suddenly someone barges in. Who is it? Well, it's a pretty well-dressed dude in yellow protesting that he was here first. He calls dibs on the canyon guide. Team Avatar is interested. The dude explains they have this canyon guide that helps people cross the Great Divide, and he's a great earthbender, and you can only survive going through with his help. Meanwhile, Sokka's making faces behind his tribe. They tell the dude to chill, but he's all up in a froth, explaining the Fire Nation destroyed this town and his tribe is forced to walk thousands of miles to capital Ba Sing Se. Have we heard the words Ba Sing Se yet? I don't know, have we? I don't think we have. I think this might be the first time we hear the name Ba Sing Se. 
I think this might be the very first time we hear that. So just then, while this is happening, another tribe appears. I will say they do look a bit scruffier than our polished uh, character in yellow. And this guy in yellow says, That's the Zhang tribe, a bunch of low-life thieves. They've been the enemies of my tribe for a hundred years. This dude immediately tells the Zhang tribe that they better not be planning on using this fabled canyon guide that we haven't even seen yet. And the Zhang leader asks where the rest of his tribe is, uh, kind of implying that they're anal retentively cleaning up their camp. So already we sense that this one tribe that's kind of scruffy is like, oh, you're so like you're neat freaks. And that's why the rest of your tribe isn't even here yet. And they basically trade insults until the boulders suddenly start moving and the canyon guide appears. And I will say this is a guy who looks and sounds a lot like a gold prospector. (laughs) I mean, it is straight up Disneyland Big Thunder Ranch. It's like, hello, hey, partners. Who's ready to cross this here canyon? It's adorable. And the Ganjin guy, so that's the polished folks in yellow, says that they're first. Zhang says that they need to go first. And in fact, they have sick folks that are really in need of shelter. And the Ganjin guy says they have old people, so they also need to be transported quickly. Of course, erupting in more trading insults. And Team Avatar's looking on. And Katara's sort of, to Aang, having, you know, just heard him brag about his peacekeeping skills, is like, hey, want to uh, do something about this? Want to step in here? I gotta say that that you know the the gold prospector guy also reminded me of the um, the spokesperson for like the oatmeal back in the eighties. What was the actor's name? <laughs> yeah, the Quaker Oats guy. The Quaker Oats guy. Oh wait, Wilford Brimley. Wilford Wilfer Brimley. Brimley. He reminded me Wilford Brimley a little bit. I was like, totally. hey, Wilford Brimley is totally. an earthbender. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> he's got that. He's got that walrus mustache. So then Katara does her thing and gets everyone's attention saying Aang will solve it because he's the Avatar. That's what he does. He solves things. And all he's got is, you guys can share. And they're all like, no way. Aang says, oh, yes, you are. And then Appa will fly their sick and elderly across, which is nice. They all, the tribe agrees. And then Aang prepares Appa. Sokka's worried. I mean, should they be involved? The Kenyan guy says there's no food. Yeah, don't bring food. Don't bring food. We do see the... um. The elderly and sick, I guess from both tribes, you know, Appa gets them across. Seems fairly quickly, too. Let's just put it that way. Like, he's gone. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Which is cool. And then good old Wilford Brimley's like, you guys, don't bring food into the canyon. And everyone freaks out. Eat it or leave it. And everyone's eating, some messier than others. Aang sends Appa out. And so the guide tells them the Earth Spirits most likely carved the canyon out because they were angry that they weren't offered the proper sacrifice. A huge pile of rocks tumbles down and the guide saves them. He says they hopes that they all brought sacrifices. Then the guide gets ready to close up a wall. Suddenly, in a cloud of dust, the guide is grabbed up by a truly nasty looking creature. Sokka tries with the boomerang. Yeah, I mean, he does do with the boomerang. It's pretty, you know, pretty spot on. It's a quick response. And good aim, Sokka. And then the creature lets go of the guide and comes after Sokka, who, you know, shrieks and runs. Then Katara whips out some of her water, but it's not enough. Aang hits it with some air, moving the creatures up into the crack of the canyon side. And we're like, what was that? Bam. Those are the canyon crawlers. Creepy. They're pretty creepy, and they're big insect-looking things. They, they, they definitely looked like they were trouble, big trouble. And worse, the guy's arms are both broken. Dang. <laughs> I mean, that is insane. 
That's how messed up these canyon crawlers are. And then we find out that he can't <laughs> earthbend because his arms are broken, which actually is a good, is a big kind of clue. Like, if you can't move your arms, you can't bend. Very true. Very true. It's not like Bewitched, where you can just wiggle your nose and you can do some magic. No, <laughs> that ain't going to work. You need arm movement, which old Wilford Brimley did not have anymore. And so the whole crew realizes they're trapped in the Great Divide. It's kind of like a Twilight Zone episode. Like you're just trapped in the Great Divide with your mortal enemy. You're so right. It's totally like a Twilight Zone episode. That's a great point. And uh, I just want to mention, you know, a few months ago I had done this, you know, some questions on Twitter asking people like, where would you want to visit if you could go anywhere in book one? And I think... The only place that no one wanted to go was the Great Divide. Really? No one said, you know where I'd go? I'd go to the Great Divide. So I don't know if that's a canyon crawlers thing or a is this episode filler thing, but no one was itching to get down into that canyon with Wilford Brimley. No one was itching to do that. All right, well, we'll take a quick break while everyone is trapped with an earthbender with broken arms, and we'll be right back. Okay, we are back. Yes, indeed. We are still stuck in a canyon with a guy with two broken arms. Again, very harsh, very, very harsh experience for this guide. Sokka is mad. He's like, we got rid of our food. Why are there canyon crawlers? Like, that was why we weren't supposed to have food down here. But there's there's canyon crawlers down here anyway. So what was the point of that? But the Ganjin immediately accuse the Zhang of, oh, well, they must have smuggled food. That's probably why the canyon crawlers came down there. It's their fault. You know, then that immediately escalates into the tribes arguing with each other. And the guide is just totally useless at this point. I mean, he's like, I won't become part of the food chain. Is like so afraid that he's going to get eaten. The tribes are bickering and kind of blows some air to like clear the air and get everyone to shut up. And he announces that he's going to split him up because conveniently enough, there's a split coming up in the canyon where there's like two halves that kind of veer off on, uh, to either side with a big rift in the middle. And Aang sends Katara with a Ganjin and sends Sokka with the Zhang. And he says, you know, by the way, while you're kind of hanging with them, try to just, I don't know, find out why they hate each other so much. And so the day wears on now that the groups are separated. Kind of looks like the sun's going down. Everybody's setting a camp. Sokka likes that they're not bothering to put up their tarp. So already he's found his people with the Zhang. And Katara's with the Ganjin. And I would like to point out that there is a on a rock kind of in the foreground as we're looking at, uh, at Katara and the Ganjin. There's a very non-hybrid looking scorpion. So... There, I just mm. quick shout out to the non-hybrid scorpion. Apparently, they're just regular scorpions. But uh, the Ganjin, their tents are super fancy, super orderly. They sort of look like little like changing rooms from the 1920s, like on the beach. They're these little tiny super cabanas. posh, very super posh, very posh. Are those Canyon Carl's hybrid animals, Barney? I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, I think they're part crocodile and part spider. Mm. Super okay. creepy. I can see it. Okay. Like, let's combine two things that Janet's afraid we'll kill of, you. they That's said, horrible. and they effectively did it. They're very scary. <laughs> and so around the campfire, here's Katara with the Ganjin, who were totally accusing the Zhang of having smuggled food in. They smuggled food in. They've got food there. Katara's totally shocked, but then very, very easily convinced. Like, for one second, she's shocked that they have food and then immediately is like and she actually says the thing that all parents are afraid their child will say in a situation with peer pressure well i guess it's okay if everyone else is doing it i know like what like katara that is not a good lesson no. again 
Why did she just go along with it? Like, I mean, th- this is part of the problematicness of this episode for people. There's so many flawed things going on in this episode. One being Katara just going totally against everything. Like, yeah, the guide almost died. The guide almost died because evidently your people that you're rolling with brought food. And you're like, okay, whatever, yeah. pass me a donut. What? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So she's totally folded. She's like chowing down with the Ganjin, apparently. And does what happens? So Katara asks about what happened between the tribes, and the leader starts the story. The patriarch of their tribe, Jinwei, was an earthbender warrior entrusted to guard and transport their sacred orb, a purple ball thing. Which, by the way, there's a lot going on there, too. What is the orb? What does it do? We don't know. But we know that we need to get it from the eastern gate to the western gate. And then we see some totally different animation, which is super cool. This is, this is what I actually love about the episode is the different art Same animation that happens. Here. It's great. So we see some totally different animation style as he tells a story. This is the, the, the Ganjin's side of it. It's very angular. The, how would you explain the, the animation? Kind of like... yeah. Angler, angular. No, you're right. It's like almost, I must say cubist, but it's not cubist, but it like has this, you're right. It's like a lot of hard edges and corners. Hard edges and like very, almost modern. It's like very sleek and like, and matches their tribe, of course. Yeah. But very beautiful and something we have not seen within the Avatar verse as of yet. Agreed. And then we see a beam of light hitting a gate, apparently taking the orb from East to west represents the sun rising and setting, which which is cool. So now they got the, the Ganjin guy going towards the gate, but before he reaches the gate, a Zhang attacks him. And this guy's name was Wei Jin, coincidentally, and stole the orb. And don't trust the Zhang. Right. From their perspective, and if, you know, we just take that as 100% true, the Ganjin are the good guys, right? They're the good people. And the Zhang are these thieves that are trying to steal this orb. The orb. Over at Zhang, you know, they're all chowing down on some meat. Everybody brought food. So it's all your fault that this poor Canyon guy's arm got broken. (laughs) That's right. I hope it was worth it. No one said, sorry, we brought the food and now we don't have an earthbender. I mean, you guys all brought food. They're like real into themselves. Each each tribe is so sanctimonious and self-righteous about how awful the other tribe is that they feel that that allows them to do terrible things as well and not even take any responsibility for it because they've decided that they're the victim in the story. And, you know, they're both the victim and the hero. And actually, this is a really good moment for our segment, You Had One Job. It was expressed several times. Don't do it. Or guess what? Everyone do it. Why not? The gang's <laughs> the only people that didn't bring food. Everybody else had food. That's right. What does Sokka do with that food? I mean, he's super into it. <laughs> he's really excited. He also says, okay, I'll take the food because I'm hungry. This is the problem in the episode. Which, again, less surprising because it's Sokka. I know, but it makes nobody likable. It, uh, right off the bat, it makes everybody, including our heroes, unlikable. Yeah. You're right. This is why yeah, people don't like the episode. Because Aang's totally impatient with them. And then Aang does something at the end for a shadow report that might make him unlikable too. Oh, foreshadow report. Foreshadow report. Indeed. Okay, so yeah. So everybody's brought food. Super lame. 
Sokka's chowing down, and we're hearing their side of the story at their campfire. Uh, we got our psychedelic, groovy animation, and in their version of the story, the Ganjin is injured, and we have the Zhang trying to help. So it's totally a different situation. Like, it's actually a situation in which the Ganjin tribe member is in great distress, and the Zhang tribe member comes and tries to help and actually takes the orb on his behalf. And instead, what does that get him? It just gets him arrested and sentenced to 20 years because the Ganjin insist and assume that the Zhang member stole the orb when really all he was trying to do was help get it carried across because apparently it has to be carried across for some reason. And then Aang and Momo, while all of this is going on, you know, we have the two stories being told separately at separate campfires. We see Aang and Momo kind of up in the dark, looking longingly at the fires. Momo eats a bug. Aang is really craving some lychee nuts. And the guide it kind of joins them, joins Aang and Momo. And the guide says, I'm not so sure the two problems are unrelated. The next morning... The guide says, you know, hey, this is here's some good news. Yes, both of my arms are broken, but at least we're almost <laughs> to the other side. And um, Aang checks in with Katara and Sokka. And Katara is, unsurprisingly, totally on the Ganjin side. Sokka is on the Zhang side. They are, like, arguing with each other, like, you don't understand. These poor people, they blah, 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 blah. So they're back to brother-sister bickering, except now they have these two tribal stories that are 100 years old backing them up. And Aang gathers everyone at the base of the canyon wall and says, look, we're going to have to work together to figure a way out, okay? They use Aang's proverb, this idea of like, you know, we can, we should take action instead of just bickering, but they totally misinterpret his kind of uh, Iroh-esque saying. And instead they're like, oh, sure, we'll take action. We'll fight each other. And so they start fighting each other. Like, great, I'm sure that's what he right. had in mind. It was cool, though, that like a male that was the leader of one, side the, the gaijin and then there was a woman that was the leader of the zhang that was cool and yeah she's a tough cookie and then they go at it and and she's a tough cookie she cut off his beard in that fight she cuts his beard off got it close and then he cut off one of her pigtails that's right they're going for it they weren't holding no punches <laughs> So yeah, you're right. They're cutting off each other's hair. They're scrabbling. Absolutely nothing is getting accomplished. And in the middle of cutting each other's various pigtails and beards off, we also see all of their food tumble out, right? So their food has tumbled right. out, and it's totally exposed, and Aang is furious and should be furious, except for- Aang freaks out. Totally yeah. freaks out. But then he sees this egg custard. Egg custard, and then a very cute image that's a, a meme forever with his eyes get so big, half the size of his head. He's also very hungry. He wants that egg custard tart. Right. And then, as all that's going on, all of a sudden, from all over, in comes the canyon crawlers because all that food just got released from both parties. Now they're sad they brought their food now, aren't they? Now they are. Not when the canyon guy got his yeah. arm busted they didn't care about that moment tough for the canyon <laughs> guy but now that the canyon crawlers are Super on them selfish. now they're all scared yeah so you know what let, we're gonna let them just sit in that fear and we're gonna take a quick break friends are you going on a long journey in the near future are you someone who doesn't like a lot of rules and regulations and most importantly are you a habitual snacker then two arm solution has the device for you the snack and sleeve. Store your food in an airtight bag with a hose that goes directly into the back of your mouth. 
The Snack and Sleep's patented reverse vacuum technology keeps your food out of sight and out of mind until you have a sneaky moment to yourself. The Snack and Sleep. The Snacking Sleep not approved for use by any official anything. Okay, we're back. I hope they've learned their lesson because they have been bombarded with canyon crawlers. Aang, of course, is valiantly trying to fight them, but there are so many. I mean, he's putting them into piles. He's blasting them away with air. He's not killing any. He's just, like, trying to keep them away. Katara's whipping her water around. Sokka's got his machete. But there are crawlers everywhere and i will say this does remind me of peter jackson's king kong when Mm -hmm. a bunch of people get eaten by giant bugs in that canyon that gave me nightmares for like a year i did not realize that is seriously like the scariest thing i've ever seen in a movie and i did not know that that was going to be the thing that was to me the scariest way to die but now i know it's being eaten by a giant i know that's are there any um there's no casualties in this little uh confrontation with all these no casualties like brian always says that you have to have like we learned about with sifu kisu and brian you have to have like action without violence uh even though you have these creatures you know they're we we just see mostly ang trying to get rid of them and mostly them except for canyon god except for canyon god canyon (laughs) guy's arms are a casualty my dude that's definitely not action without violence that he's maimed he's been maimed he's got him snapped and then eventually ang starts throwing them food and it's like, oh, wait a minute. They want the food, so why don't we give them the food? And then he's like, wait, 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 wait. Even better, if we can just get to them, slip the bags that the food was in, or any kind of sacks or bags that they have, if we just slip them over their, frankly, terrifying snout. So if you're brave enough to get close enough to it to right. then slip a bag over its snout, then you can, like, harness and ride them, which is cool, but also super creepy and gross. That was that was really cool. The first time I saw the episode, that was cool. Did not expect that. Classic Aang. It's like the Unagi. We brought that food bag so we can use them to harness the animal and lure them in with the food that we weren't supposed to bring in the first place. <laughs> so the problem, you're right, actually. I hadn't thought about it that way, but the problem creates the solution. They had food, but now they also have a way out of the canyon, which is to harness the canyon crawlers and ride them which is right. super creepy but you know Still we could have not brought food cool. we could have not brought food and just snuck our way to the canyon That's like right. everyone else is supposed to do and good old canyon guy could not have been maimed but yes that is the way know. it should have gone that is very much the way it should have gone take one for the team canyon guy okay so they they ride the canyon crawlers to the top ang throws all this leftover food which by the way again there must have been so much food because everybody was eating their food and then they still had food and then they were throwing the canyon crawlers food and then there was still food left over at the end of all saying. of that to then it's throw like them they back bring, down into the canyon. It's not like they just brought a Snickers bar. Like, don't bring food. Like, I'm not going to bring food. But then you brought a Snickers bar. Okay, it's just a Snickers bar. No. They brought <laughs> feasts. Feasts. I mean, you can't get through TSA with all that food. Canyon guy needs his own TSA crew to help check people before he lets them into the Great Divide. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is dire stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean, we go onto the plane with food and nothing happens. But here, the big crawlers will get you. Yeah, he needs some help. I mean, if it's going to be regarding his health and his livelihood yeah. and his life, you need to yeah. pat people down, buddy. Yeah, don't rely on the honor system. Obviously, these guys are liars. No, turkey legs, cream pies. What's going on here? <laughs> well, luckily there is some of 
all of that food left over because Aang tosses it down into the canyon to then get rid of the canyon crawlers, send them back where they came from and where they live. And for one second, it actually seems like the warring tribes are even making up with each other. It's like, oh my gosh, we're putting history aside. We're going to be friends. But no, then they start going at each other again. And Aang is super exasperated. And then just out of nowhere, in the middle of them bickering with each other, Aang's like, by the way, I knew them. I knew the original tribe members that you're talking about within your stories. I knew those guys. I knew them personally. I did love this. I uh, When I first watched the show, I loved this part. It was like, oh, my God. Of course he knew them. It was 100 yeah. years ago. He knows the whole orb story because yeah. he was around with some of the other airbenders traveling through the Earth Kingdom. I like the fact that within the kingdom we see different tribes of people. They're not just all like earthbenders yeah. they're like different tribes of people so i was like literally like oh this is cool like he's gonna set the story straight because he was there tell us what's going on let us know what's going on good old ang and then ang you know he said i was there 100 years ago and that the two dudes were actually brothers hold up not just brothers twins in fact and here's a twist they're only eight years old <laughs> And then the animation changes yet again, which is also the other great thing about it. I, I believe this is the first time we see this Avatar chibi uh, style, which has become so popular in the I fan I think you're base. right. And, it is the first chibi style. Yeah. So this is actually an important episode just so we get to the chibi animation and we see them being right. little kids and he, he you know, says the animation, you know, so the animation is changing every time he tells a new story. So he says they were just playing a game. One step down the line, so the official, a panda with a party hat and a whistle, a panda, you guys, put him in the penalty box for two minutes, not 20 years, two minutes. And there was no stealing and no putting anyone in prison. It was just a game. And the tribes bought it. They're shocked. <laughs> he said the game was called Redemption. And now Aang does say that one was slobbier than the other. But then the tribe says, Yeah, it's time one twin start. was like the messier twin. I mean, why throw shade? Aang's just like, I'm going to throw a little shade anyway. <laughs> the tribe say it's time they stop dwelling on the past and look toward the future. And then they make up, yeah. which is great to finally make, they up. make up. But I guess the whole thing is like, does the end justify the means? In every case, in the story, in the lie. Yeah, so here here he's done this amazing thing. He actually has done what Katara kind of tasked him to do or what he bragged that he could do at the beginning of the episode before we even met the two tribes. He's talking, you know, he's like, listen, I did, I did it. I, I, I brought them back together. Aang is then reunited with Appa, who carried over the sick and the elderly. And the Ganjin leader thanks Aang, and, and both tribes have decided that they're going to travel to Ba Sing Se together. And with a canyon guide who, by the way, is super over it and was like super intensely paranoid, almost like he had been in a war because uh, about the canyon crawler. She was like, it's personal. This time it's personal. They're, they want me. They've tasted my blood. And he's like just so over it. And like Sokka is, you know, he's like we are. He's really impressed at how lucky it was that it turned out that Aang knew those guys. And, you know, Aang's like, you could call it luck. Or you could call it lying. What? I made the whole thing up. The thing is, I wish he didn't lie. This is the whole episode. Like, 
For me, the whole episode is like, does the end justify the means? Not only with him lying to get these people to get along and go to Boston stand together. I mean, I have a whole nother issue with my, my, my canyon guy. What about the next people canyon guy that want to get to the canyon? A, you just left them stranded. B, the whole reason why your arms are broken and these guys tasted your blood is because the people you're walking to Boston say with all of them, all of them screwed you over. And now you're like, whatever, we're all good. <laughs> So that, whatever. But then also, again, with the food coming in and the food actually helping them get out of the canyon, did the means justify the end? I don't know. It's so confusing. I know this is a tough thing about this episode for you, and it is for me, too. This idea of Aang suddenly just lying like ain't no fang. But I did mention it to Brian Kanetsko, and he did remind me and us that, you know, part of being the Avatar and even kind of getting a sense of Monkeyatsu is that he is also kind of the coyote trickster character, that he disrupts stuff, that he is an imp, that he is mischievous. And so I think Brian was saying, you know, this lie is, while it may be troubling to some people, if they lean into the idea like nobody's getting hurt from it and it's more about being the trickster, it makes sense. I'm going to tell my mom, I'm not lying, I'm tricking you. <laughs> I'm not lying, I'm a trickster. Come on, it's different, it's charming. Did you lie to me? I tricked you. <laughs> and to your point, yes, all of our characters in this episode, including our hero, I mean, yeah, they do make some questionable decisions, maybe some bad decisions. They, they, all, they all were unlikable. They all did unlikable things this episode. I think that's really why the, the, the episode is kind of like least liked in some ways. Although I love all the art styles, mm-hmm. I love... I even like the story. I don't really yes. like the last story that Aang, I think if you're going to tell a big lie, can you tell a better one? Tell a better lie. I mean, yeah. he kept going. He's <laughs> like, they're brothers. Hold up. No, they're they're twin brothers. Twin brothers, <laughs> and they're eight, and they're just playing a game with a panda with a party yeah. hat. What are we talking about? Which dude? I will say, <laughs> that does kind of, now that you're saying it like that, it does kind of remind me of when little kids, and I love this about little kids, but you know when kids get to that age where they can, they realize that they can tell stories, which is like the most exciting age and such a fun age to see kids, but they, it is true that they kind of don't know where to stop. And they'll be like, Dante, Dante, okay, so there are these guys, and they were brothers? No, wait, 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 they're twins. No, wait, wait, they were twins, and they had powers. And their powers were they could stop time. Oh, and right. there's like a orb and they a panda um, uh, well and a panda and a party <laughs> hat and, and you're like what have you do you still remember what story you're telling yeah and um um and dante um dante um dante um they have um legs and um i want to eat a cookie and also giraffes exactly. the end <laughs> let's all go to bossing say together hand in hand kubaya let's do it <laughs> So, I mean, I get That's it, right. but, I, 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 but I do like the episode. I mean, I, I mean I, we've discussed this episode so many times. It's become actually one of my favorite episodes now because we've dissected it uh-huh. so many different ways. Yeah. Some, some might call that even almost irony. You know what I think? Let me say this. I feel like, first of all, Animal Crossing clearly we've established that there are canyon crawlers and i say we've spent plenty of time talking about those things so good job on the canyon crawlers glad they harness them and put stuff over their snouts but as far as this conversation and even as far as and in fact with talking about the most valuable bending the most valuable non-bending i still feel like we are leaving the fans with kind of a lack of resolution or argument for the importance of this episode, the value of this episode, whether it's filler, whether it's not. And I would submit to you, what if 
we have an episode that is just dedicated to whether or not this is a filler episode. We can bring in two of our friends. Yes. Hector Navarro and Danielle Radford. I like where you're going. Next week to have the debate on our behalf, right? So we'll have, we'll just do a debate. We'll call it the great debate. The great debate about the great divide. There, exactly. You get it. I love it. And and then maybe they'll solve this whole thing for us forever. This this feud that's happening among the fandom, just like the Ganjin and the Zhang. The great debate among fans of whether or not this is a good episode and this episode is like worth being part of the series. We'll just let them battle it out and see what they say. We'll just dig deeper into the episode next week in the great debate. Yeah, whatever you decide by the end of it, you're going to know even more about the episode than you did before. And we already know the more information you've gotten about the episode, the more you've liked it. So regardless of what happens, you may walk away from next week feeling even stronger positive feelings about the Great Divide. Or not. Maybe yes or maybe no. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. So everybody, we're just going to press pause on this and we'll talk about Most Valuable Bending and Non-Bending next week with our friends who will be debating the Great Divide. Hector Navarro and Danielle Radford, come back, hang with us, let us know what you think. Thank you so much, as always, for all of your amazing feedback. You can find us on social media. I'm at Janet Varney and Dante's at Dante Bosco on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at the JV Club on Instagram. Keep uh, listening to the podcast. We'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.